0: Amen. Wonderful. Well, if you haven't already taken your seat at home, (laughs) then please do feel free to take your seats now as we go into the word for today. And uh, may I just say it's fantastic to be amongst you in person, and it's also a joy to share to those watching from home or wherever you are. We are deep in our Deep in Prayer series, and uh, today we're going to be talking about fasting. And as part of this, as a practical response uh, the leadership team have organized and arranged and been prayerful to lead us to a point of actually fasting for a week together we're calling that fasting for focus putting our focus putting our attention putting our eyes on God and not that maybe we haven't been looking towards God but actually to seek more intentionally what God has for us and who God is. And so it's a joy to be sharing about this with you. And I thought what would be really helpful to start off with as we're talking about fasting is to just launch into what is fasting, a definition, if you will. So it will come up on the screens, but I'm just going to read to you a definition. Fasting, okay, as part of prayer, reducing or giving up food or other things for a period of time, to focus on God. To focus on God. And so, just to say, I had to preview this little definition here by saying it's part of prayer. It's not separate to prayer. And therefore, this isn't just dieting, or this isn't just detoxing. And in some way, it's not even just spiritual Dieting or spiritual detoxing, it's a whole life, holistic, taking on everything. It's about bringing our attention of all our life, the whole sum of it, towards the Lord. And so one of the things we've decided to do is this week called Fasting for Focus, and it just so happens, therefore, the sermon today, the word today, is titled Fasting for focus, And one of the reasons I think is really important to mention focus and seeking God in this way of intentional focus is the importance we have to realise that some of us are distracted. Do you know some of the challenge for us is seriously just that we don't realise how distracted, how unfocused we are in our lives It doesn't take uh, much of coming to know me. So, most of you who, who know me or have seen me will know I love to speak. I don't even need somebody else in the room for me to chat. You know, I'm so distracted by my own thoughts and by what I want to say and what things are in my imagination. You know, five years ago, I did a retreat where I decided to give up speaking for 12 hours. And they weren't the 12 hours I was asleep for, they were the 12 hours I was awake for. And uh, I just realised in this world, in the time that we live in, we are bombarded by noise and images and all sorts of demands, right? All these things come towards us. But even if you take those things out the picture, even if you take the external distractions out, I've come to realise how distracted I am just being me. And I spent this time on this retreat, like maybe first hour, maybe two hours, where even though I had nothing really external coming in on me to distract me, I was just alone with my thoughts and my imagination and my plans and thoughts about the future and those pressures. And I think it took about, it definitely took over an hour before I got to a place of even emptying myself of those things to then be filled with the spirit and to be filled with the thoughts of God. And this is what we're trying to open ourselves up for. And the reason we fast, the reason we come to this place of focusing on God is actually to deepen our relationship with him, to have better communion with him. There's several different reasons, even amongst us as a church family, why we might choose to fast. But what it comes down to, the actual core thing that will be answered and is part of this process, is a deeper relationship with God. And so what we're going to do today, we're just going to look at a few passages of scripture about Jesus and fasting. And what we'll do is we'll just have a quick overview of Jesus's fast. In Matthew chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 4. I'm not going to read it, but I think it's good that you just see it in front of you. And what I'd like to encourage you, during this week, make sure you take some time looking at how even Jesus fasts. Because I don't have time to unpack that today. But something that's really important to share about our fasting journey is what we see in Jesus in the desert. So Jesus, after he's baptised, he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is not something I'm putting on to us. But what I do see in this is that Jesus was led to fast by the Holy Spirit. And I believe us as a church family are being led to fast in this next week. As the leadership team have been led to fast on this kind of lead up towards it with the past and what has been. But I actually believe as a church family, we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit personally and corporately to fast on several times where we will seek God, where our focus will be on him. And we will have through this a deeper relationship and communion with him. Now, with the example of Jesus going into the desert, after 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted by Satan, by the deceiver, he comes out of it. And the thing he does when he comes out of it, he launches into ministry. He shares the gospel, the good news. And it's noted in the gospels that Jesus taught as one with authority and power. From that place of fasting, from that secret place, from that hidden place, from focusing on his father, he comes out of this kind of fasting period and he is full. It says in Luke's gospel, he is full of the power Of the Holy Spirit. Just want us to be encouraged as a church family. When we seek the Lord. When we're focusing on him. Our attention on the Lord. We will come out of that period of time of fasting. Or seeking him. With a greater filling of the Holy Spirit. And therefore a greater power. With the authority. With the power to speak the good news. And to share God's love. And uh, just wanted to encourage you with this. This isn't something we've just put together today. It's like, oh, we're, we're talking about deep in prayer. At some point, we need to talk about fasting, I guess. No, this has been part of God's agenda for us as a church family. And even the leadership team have been in this lead up, learning and fasting and doing things to put their focus, their attention more on God than they have done in other weeks. We have been led, and therefore, just as the leadership is led, we as a church family are led to do the same. So, let's open up more scripture. So, what we're going to do now is turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. So, we've just had a little overview of Jesus. Fasting. Now we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on fasting. And this portion of scripture is part from the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is teaching on a whole load of things. And actually, before he speaks about fasting, the preceding verses is him talking about prayer. See, the element of fasting is prayer and fasting, hand in hand. It comes together. It's not just a, a practice we do without prayer so jesus teaches on fasting and so i'll read verse 16 right through to 18 it says this jesus says this when you fast pause right there not if you fast when you fast and we're still disciples and followers of jesus today so those words are timeless. They ring true today. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will, be, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The first point I'd like to share with us today as we look into this text of Matthew chapter 6 is fasting puts our focus towards God, towards God and away from ourselves. Our focus is on him, not on ourselves. And in this passage of scriptures, I find this really interesting because As as Jesus talks about how the hypocrites fast and uh, he doesn't name drop there, but he just calls them hypocrites, which basically means you do one thing, but you mean another or you say one thing, but you mean the complete opposite. And the word in this context is show. If you look in the Greek, the word for this is phanasin, And I just thought that was quite interesting because if you break that down, phanasin, which means to show or to appear, you can hear a fan of sin okay to show off to appear in a certain way when you're not really there in the secret place and it's really interesting because fasting the whole point of it is to humble our hearts to make ourselves aware of our need for the Lord to seek the Lord when Jesus was in the desert he says not by bread alone but by the very words of God. Not by family alone, not by friends alone, not by career alone, not by interests alone, not by just the joys of life alone, but by the very words of God. And so don't fast in a way that brings attention to yourself. That's the complete opposite of what it's supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be humbling ourselves and realizing it's not about how we look, but it's about how we see. Again, let me just say that. It's not about us, attention on us. It's not us being the audience. It's us seeking the audience of one. Not seeking for our own selves to see how we look, but seeking so we see appropriately. And then verse 18 in this passage, it talks about the father who sees, who sees what's going on in secret. I just want to pause here for just a moment Because I really believe for us as a church family, for those who are watching, we need to hear this. God sees us. God sees you and he sees you through the eyes of love. His very nature is love. So it's not something you have to hide away from. But here I feel sometimes the approach in fasting is we're trying to twist God's arm. We're trying to manipulate him. It's like, oh, I've got this agenda for my prayer and I need more of God's focus. I need God to see me in this. Look, God sees you. He sees you before you're fasting. He knows even what is the desires of your heart. He knows even the words you want to pray and will pray. He knows them all. He loves you and cares for you. You have his attention. So please don't think we're going to manipulate him through fasting. It's not about that. And it's not about our performance. It's not about what we can do to kind of shine through and look better. This is the complete opposite. This is hypocr- This is what Jesus says is the hypocrite's way of fasting. It's about the secret place. And what is so good is God, the Father who is unseen, sees the secret place. He sees your heart. Yeah. And so the reward that he gives isn't the people's approval around you, isn't about how good you look. The reward is him. The reward is him in relationship, in a deeper relationship with him. And when you do that, you experience his joy, his love, his faithfulness, his goodness, his kindness in a deeper measure. Now, here's something I wanted to challenge because of the way we see things in this life, and it's very easy to see, is that we can sometimes think that there's a different measure of love going on. We can think, oh, God has favourites. We do it in our own lives. We can see that, oh, some are favoured and some are not. When we talk about reward, when we talk about things that bring us joy, we value them, right? So the things that we enjoy doing, we want to do more often and we'll put money into we'll we'll put time into, we'll invest in a different way because because it becomes more valuable to us. Now, here's something I want us to understand about God's love in our lives. God loves us all the same. He doesn't favour me any more than he favours you or you at home. In fact, guess what? God could actually have delighted in you, you at home, more than me this week. I'll say that again. God can delight in us in different amounts yet he still loves us the same. And that's a really weird thing to hear because the things we delight in on this side of eternity, we care more about, we love more, we value more, is of more worth to us. But God can delight in us through what we're doing, through seeking him, but he doesn't love one person more than the other. And I thought, how can I explain this? And so the one way I could think of that would make this clear is, at least for me, and hopefully it will help you at home or here, is I have two daughters. When I come back from work, I get to greet my daughters. And here's the thing, I love my daughters equally. I couldn't love my daughters anymore, although I guess as they grow through different experiences in life, you could argue you grow more through those experiences. But I love my daughters exactly the same. But one daughter, when I come home, may come up to me and call me by my name or call me daddy and come to see me. The other daughter may be watching TV She may be doing a puzzle and she's so focused in on that, even though I've come through the door, she hasn't realised I'm there. She's zoned in. Now, the daughter that's approached me, I will give a hug and say, welcome. I delight in that experience. Now, that does not mean I do not love the daughter who is focused on something else. But I'm not going to insert myself Sometimes I do, if I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I'm like, you're going to give me a hug even if you're watching TV. But the whole point is I'm not experiencing the same delight in that moment from one daughter to the next. But I love them the same. When we seek the Lord, the joy of the reward is him. Coming into relationship with him, knowing him and experiencing him in a deeper level. But that does not mean that God loves one person more than the other. He loves us all the same. But doesn't that excite you to know that you can experience more of him simply by seeking him, by delighting in him? And that is my heart, and that is the leadership's heart for us as Wellspring Church, as we do this fasting for focus, is that we would just seek more of him and experience more of him. He doesn't love any of us more than the other. And we cannot do anything more, hear me now, we can't do anything more to make him love us more. We've just talked about communion, we've just shared that experience of communion. God can do nothing more to show how much he loves us by giving us his one and only son to die on a cross. We are of intrinsic worth and value to him. He loves us all the same. So let's not start comparing or competing, but let's just be after that experience with God. God sees you and through your intention and purpose in the secret place or however you go about it, of seeking the Lord, Here's the joy. Here's the reward. We get to see more of God. We get to see more of him. Look, God is unchanging. He never changes and he can't get any bigger. But our experience of him can grow. Maybe you've heard of uh, a magnifying glass. You know when we say magnify the Lord? If you've heard of that, I suppose it's pretty churchy language. But God can't get any bigger. (laughs) God is unlimited. You can't make God any bigger. But in our vision, things can get bigger. With a magnifying glass, when you put it over something, that thing doesn't become bigger. Our vision of what we're looking at becomes bigger. And this is what we get when we focus on the Lord. Our vision becomes bigger of him or becomes clearer. And isn't that something we all desire? To know the Holy One who loves us that much, not only that we would see him, but we would experience him in his fullness. The challenge for us living today in our lives and for everybody through generations is that we do not take hold of everything the Lord has paid for. He hasn't just paid for us to be at peace with the Lord. He's paid for the absolute fullness in Christ to be experienced by those who believe. And that is something I'm committed to, the leadership is committed to, for us as a church family, to be reaching and running after and caring for the fullness of which the Lord has for us as his dearly beloved children. And that is something honourable and right to go for. Because the truth is, if we're not doing that, anything outside of that doesn't contain life, is meaningless, and it won't satisfy Maybe we understand that there may be some short-term benefit. Maybe there'll be some short-term things where we're gratified by certain things that are outside of the Lord, but they lead in death, destruction, decay. You name it. It's not life-giving. Only the Lord truly satisfies. So let's keep our focus towards God and away from ourselves. Let us humble ourselves As we approach him. And not just in fasting, but just simply in our prayer lives. We have to know that God is God and we are not. But the Lord invites us in Christ Jesus to know him, to experience him, to even represent him. That is the Father's love. Okay, so we looked at Jesus' fasting. We've just looked quickly at Jesus' teaching on fasting. And now we're going to look at Jesus questioned on fasting. A few chapters later, if you turn with me, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 18. <clears throat> now, just to give you a bit of context, Jesus is now calling his disciples. He's just called Levi, he's called Matthew, the author of this gospel. And uh, Jesus is partying, Jesus is feasting, and not just feasting with some friendly Jews, he's feasting with sinners or those that people would have called sinners of the day and those who even betrayed even the Jews, you could say. So Matthew being a tax collector, they weren't seen favourably amongst his own people. And so Jesus is questioned. Let's read verse 14 through to 17. Then John's disciples, just to give a bit of context, this is John the Baptist his disciples, and John the Baptist isn't here. John the Baptist is in prison at this moment, okay? So John the Baptist's disciples, who don't have their leader with them, come and approach. They say, came and asked him, that is Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? It's quite funny, isn't it? Because we just looked at Jesus teaching about fasting, and yet they're not fasting. Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will be pulled away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, no. They pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Here's the second point and final point. We fast to be filled. To be filled, not to be empty. And it's so easy when you're fasting to be thinking about woe is me, these things that we're missing out on, that we're not satisfied by because we're not having it. But we're fasting to be filled, to be content, to be satisfied by God, his word and his word alone. Now, in this passage, this is great. I love the way Jesus is teach. He's just a master. He's got three illustrations here. You've got the bridegroom and the guests. You've got an unshrunk piece of cloth to patch up a garment. And then you've got wine, new wine and new wineskins or old wine and old wineskins. All these three, if you layer them up, What's the running thread? What's the thing that goes through this? And the teaching point is talking about what is suitable and what isn't suitable. And we see Jesus' disciples, they're not fasting. And because Jesus is saying, not right now, it's not suitable. It's unsuitable for. And let me explain this. We've just said that fasting is to help us focus on God. Who is is God right here in the present day of the people around? Jesus is God with skin on. And so they have his attention. They are with God. They don't need to. They don't need to be fasting for more of God. God is in their midst. God is in their company. But Jesus says, and this is kind of a really cool statement to think of some other time outside of today, is, but they, I will be gone. The bridegroom will be gone. They will fast. So Jesus does say they will fast. But think of that for a moment. John the Baptist's disciples, do you think they were seeking God? Because I truly believe they were. John John the Baptist's disciples were seeking the Messiah, were seeking the Lord. And actually, some of John the Baptist's disciples have become Jesus' disciples. If you look in John's Gospel, I think it's Andrew. Peter's brother was following John the Baptist. But because of the things that John the Baptist said about Jesus, he was like, whoa, I want to follow him. Could it be that in the old way or the ways of doing and approaching God and seeking God, we can miss it? John the Baptist's disciples missed it. Look, they were willing to give up food. They were fasting, possibly once a week, twice a week. And yet they missed him because they weren't willing to give up John the Baptist for Jesus. They were seeking after Jesus, but they're seeking him over here when Jesus is here. Oh, that's a real, look, this is a warning for us. We could be seeking the Lord, but missing him because we're doing it our way, the wrong way. We've got to have a a humility in us to really seek the Lord's presence. Here's the thing. John the Baptist's disciples needed to give certain things up to follow Jesus, and they weren't willing to do it. We need to give up to be filled up. We need to give up certain things, certain old ways of living, to be filled up with the new. And you'll see this kind of again with the garment and with the wineskins. Now, a newer version, a modern day parable, if you will, of this is simply having a petrol or diesel car. But now we've got electric cars, right? We don't get electric car charge and put it in the diesel or the petrol car. It wouldn't work. It's not right. We're not saying those cars are bad well some people would say that wouldn't they environmentally friendly and stuff but actually there's a new way of doing things not only there's a new context but there's a new way of doing things and i know this this is jesus in his teaching he answers a question, but he's answering something else. He's answering stuff about the covenant here. He's saying the old covenant, the old way of doing things through the sacrificial system, through whether it's the Ark of the Covenant or the temple and the priests going before it, that's the old way of doing things. He's not saying it's bad, but it's unsuitable because guess what? Jesus is here and there's going to be a new way. And so the new way actually is through Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, his sacrifice and by the Holy Spirit. And here we go. Let me tie it in finally. When we talk about new wine, Jesus is actually talking about the spirit. We need to live by the spirit and new wine. And to get the spirit, remember, to get the new wine, you've got to get rid of the old wineskin. Or what way around is it? Sorry, I get coffee. I'm not very good with the wine. But basically, to get the new, to get the spirit, we need to live by the electric car, not by the petrol car. Okay? because that's how the Spirit will lead us and energise us. We need to let go to take hold of him. And we can't have it both ways. Can't do it both ways. The Lord's desire is to fill us. But to do that, we need to let go. And we need to be empty. If we really want to be full of him, we need to empty ourselves. And so finally, I just want to give some personal Um, practical suggestions of how we can fast in the week ahead. And these are things we have experienced as a leadership team, and I know they're good for us, but it's good to just make ourselves aware. So firstly, with food and drink, just please warning right away, because of certain physical or mental health conditions, I just want you to be wise about how you go about fasting if you would choose food and drink. And can I challenge you or just help you to know um, you could just fast one meal, but I don't want to make that a broad statement for everyone. You could fast two meals a day. I mean, you could do the full fast, but these are just different areas of fast. But can I just say, when you give something up, especially food and drink or caffeine or whatever, the thing you need to realize is you may experience dizziness. You may experience headaches. You may experience weakness. This is the thing. Seeking God is difficult sometimes. But that doesn't mean we give up straight away. That's actually a reason to keep pushing through. Now, moving our fast into other areas where focus of our lives kind of takes over, this is something I really want to challenge us on because it doesn't just have to be food. And in my most recent fast that I did, I've just realized how much God moved and filled my life through taking other things out or reducing other things. So entertainment, shows. I mean, we are the Netflix generation or the Amazon Prime generation, right? we just churning through things it's like we're marathoning through things maybe just stop that for that week or maybe just be intentional about when you watch not just watching to fill the space how about even music one of the things I've done is just stop listening to music with lyrics I mean we can listen to praise songs but I love all sorts of music and I just said to God I'm not going to listen to anything that could fill my mind with anything other than you And so I just stopped listening to music for a week that had lyrics in it that weren't praise songs. Some of you may want to give up reading of other literature than the Bible, than the scripture. Here's a big one, social media, which grabs our attention on the daily, (laughs) on, on the hourly for some of us. One of the things you can do is just get rid of those things. In fact, because I've done that, and then came back to it, I've realised how quickly I go through this and get so distracted. I've made it so for me to access my social media, because I'm still part of that, I still enjoy the tool, of what it is helpful for. I have to scroll about five pages before getting to it. And I've realised how much that's helped me. Because sometimes I'm doing it, and it takes like five to realise, oh, this is what I'm doing, why am I doing it? It just helps us be more intentional. One of my weaknesses is YouTube. So I cut that out. But then I realized when I came back to it, what do I actually miss? And what am I seeking after? To be intentional about that time. Sport. Maybe you want to give up some sport for a week. This is a weird one, giving up exercise. You think, well, no, that's, that's a good thing, right? Well, yes, it is. But I know for some people that there's a cost involved. Ah, but then you're cutting out my cycle or my progress. Yes. Yes, it's costly to fast. And finally, one of the difficult ones for me is just people. I love spending time with people. I love filling my calendar. And I realise actually sometimes it's good just to stop seeing some people, stop some of those social gatherings, just to be able to spend time with God. And I've talked now about focus and cutting things out. But there's also things we can do to fill. So to praise him, to exalt him to prayer walk. That was one thing I did. I was so distracted even when I was praying in the church building, could you believe? I ended up for one week just prayer walking on a lunch break. And that, that was just to help me. And I'm not saying we should do all that, but I'm just saying that's another thing that I found helpful. And finally, just reading scripture. And I'll tell you one thing that was really powerful. You know, that day I said I stopped talking for 12 hours. When I finally stopped in my head imagining things, I felt the Lord lead me to read a gospel. And I read the whole of Matthew. And the gospel filled my mind for that day. Look, guys, I want to encourage you. Whatever you do and experience next week during our Fasting for Focus, may it lead you towards God and less towards yourself. And may you seek more about being filled than you do about the practice of emptying yourself. The Lord will fill you because he is faithful. And he loves you. And he's been excited about this, I'm telling you. He's been excited about your attention, your undivided attention. And you'll get to a point, if we continue doing this kind of stuff together, I know because I've done it, I got excited the week before fasting saying, God's got an appointment with me. I've got an appointment with God. He's going to do something in me new. Maybe not in that week, but what comes out of it, I'm telling you, it will be the Lord. Months from this time, you will be wondering something. You'll be like, this is because I fasted, isn't it, Lord? I promise you, if you take this into consideration, your life will be transformed, maybe not instantly, but later on down the line, I'm sure you'd give all glory for that time you had weeks ago where you just were intentional about the Lord. So let me just pray a blessing over you and then I'll hand over. Heavenly Father, you are so welcome right now. You are so worthy of our attention, of our focus. And Lord God, you've given it all to us through Christ Jesus. You've given every spiritual blessing. Everything on your heart, Lord God, is possible for us to reach after and look for. So I pray right now, Lord, you just stir in people's hearts keep our focus on you and would you lead and guide every individual and every person part of this listening to this would you lead them in what it is you'd like them to fast and to walk in over this next week lord god would you pour out your wisdom on this if this is new would you pour out your grace for those where it's going to be really difficult but i pray heavenly father By your word and by your spirit, you would minister powerfully to us. You are worthy, God. You are so worthy. And we want to say sorry, Lord, for the times we haven't been able to give you our full attention. And I pray you just start working in that right now, Lord, in our hearts. To get our attention because you are worthy.